1: Welcome to episode 142 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank, or why, Rihanna Ri Rowe, Aaron Walsh, Hannah Levy, Holly Banks, All the Little Piggies, Zentine, Renee Slider, Jennifer, Brandon Schroeder, Francine, Georgie Boy McDermott, Holly Johnson, Brona, Caitlin, Paul Robinson, Stephanie Roman, Kristen Pietruca, Holly M, and Kate Friedel. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. It is so appreciated, and I'm thankful for you every single day. Today's episode is going to be shorter than usual, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The first reason is that I am taking a break. Now, don't worry. I'm not taking a break and abandoning you all coming into spooky season. There will be loads of content over the month of October, but it is all pre-recorded. So I am not going to be online really as much over the month of October, but there will be tons of content. If you're a Patreon subscriber, if you sign up to the Patreon and you think, hang on a second, I signed up to Patreon and I haven't heard my name, what's going on? Your name will be called out in November when I'm back, don't you worry. So today's episode is slightly shorter for that reason, because I've been flat out trying to make sure that all of the pre-recording is done. And today's episode was meant to be an episode in two parts. I'll explain why it isn't when I get to that point. But today's story is inspired by Connor Foley. And Connor posted about this place on the Facebook group, and I hadn't heard of it. And uh, so thank you, Connor, for inspiring this episode. And let's get into it. The paranormal community, while an interesting one, can often be misunderstood or even ridiculed. The community, like any community, has a wide spectrum where members can range from staunch believers who dedicate huge portions of their lives to exploring the weird and the wonderful, or seasoned sceptics who just like a good yarn. In between those examples, which are by no means extremes, there are a variety of people in between, casual onlookers and dedicated Bigfoot hunters, horror fanatics and Reddit connoisseurs, UFO hunters and story collectors. It's a great paranormal melting pot out there, and we see every ounce of it on this show. Most listener stories start with a declaration of who the teller is and what their belief is. We've never encouraged this, it just happened naturally. From Kieran O'Keefe, the renowned parapsychologist who looks for the human reason for paranormal instances, to Zach Bagans, who looks for the paranormal reason for human instances. The community is often full of debate and arguments about what's an orb and what's a rogue insect, whether Bigfoot is a primate or an astroplaning planing extraterrestrial, or whether that poltergeist activity is actually dodgy pipework. But one thing we can all agree on, categorically, without any argument is that paranormal or otherwise, children are creepy. David Blinkhorn did not expect to be at the centre of a paranormal storm. In fact, he wasn't remotely interested in ghosts. He just wanted to have an educational trip with his family. They had been exploring an old castle in Galway in Ireland, and his family had scurried off to explore the roof. Leaving David alone in what would have been the old sitting room of the previous owner. It was six in the evening, and the sun was setting over the rugged countryside. David breathed in and enjoyed the calm of the bare, quiet space. Nothing remained in the sitting room except a chair positioned by the window. No doubt the previous occupants had spent many an evening watching the sunset too. David had a practica camera with Kodak film and no flash, although there was no need for a flash with the sun illuminating the room. He raised the camera to his eye and clicked a picture of the window frame and the chair. David and his family continued their trip around the west of Ireland before returning to their home in Stratford-upon-Avon. As was customary at the time, David undertook the long-lost art of taking the role of film from his holidays to be developed. But little did he know the storm was brewing. After the photos were developed, David mused over one of them for some time. It was the photo of the sun streaming in the window of the sitting room. It would have been a beautiful, atmospheric shot, with the sparse decor perfectly demonstrating the beauty of the old architecture. But there was something startlingly out of place in the picture, something that definitely was not there when he took it. In the foreground of the picture was the distinctive outline of a boy. This was not a blur or a case of paridolia. It was a boy. It's important to note that David had never had a paranormal experience before this picture, and he had no feelings about ghosts or entities. He was completely ambivalent. But there was no denying that this picture was very, very strange. The shadow figure of this boy was alarmingly and oddly fitting for the place. David didn't just choose to visit a random castle. The castle was Bally Lee Tour, the former home of William Butler Yeats. Yeats had bought Bally Lee Tour as a ruin for the grand amount of £35. If you don't know much about Yeats, he is one of Ireland's most famous poets, And he was also wildly into the paranormal. While David Blinkhorn was ambivalent to the paranormal, he was very aware of how much the paranormal meant to Yates. Yates lived and breathed it. He wrote about ghosts and fairies and regularly conducted seances. In 1888, he attended his first seance, where he acted as though he was being possessed or channeling a spirit. He spoke in tongues and banged his head against the table. He and Alistair Crowley ran in the same circles and were mortal enemies because of Crowley's affinity for the darker side of the paranormal. They did not see eye to eye. He joined the Ghost Club, and here he found his spirit guide, Leo Africanus, a geographer and author from the Renaissance times. In 1914, he travelled to France in order to investigate a claim of a medium who had the ability to materialise objects from thin air. It turned out to be nothing more than a clever hoax, of course, but Yeats wasn't deterred and saw the trip as a vital learning experience. He married Georgina Hyde Lees, who was an alleged automatic writer, and together they continued their exploration of the paranormal in their home of Tour Lee. Yeats wrote about the ghosts that he believed resided in the castle, including that of a soldier but, the boy in the picture, taken all those years later by David Blinkhorn, there is a theory that this boy was connected to Yeats himself and not the castle, and that he came from a very different place altogether. 30 miles from Tour ballet is the Renville House Hotel. In 1917, Oliver St John Gogarty purchased the house and it quickly became apparent that that he got more than he had bargained for. His servants refused to stay in one of the rooms upstairs, and they claimed to feel a dark presence in the home. On one occasion, a servant was trapped in a room after an entity pushed a large wooden chest over the door. Gogarty was awoken by the sound of footsteps running up and down the corridor outside his bedroom. One night, he lit a candle in order to finally get to the bottom of the footsteps and as he moved into the corridor, an audible human breath extinguished the candle. (sighs) Ha! And Gogarty was overcome by a weakness. But it's not Gogarty's story that makes Renville House so famous. It's Yeats's. Gogarty and Yeats were friends, and each time Yeats came to stay, the activity in the house would increase. One night, Gogarty... Yates and his wife were in the library when the door creaked open. Yates raised his hand and said leave it alone it will go away as it came and the door abruptly slammed shut and they decided to conduct a seance. There are differing accounts of what happened next and who happened next but the most accepted one is as follows. The room filled with a hazy smoke, and a sound began to emerge. It was faint at first, but the sound began to permeate the shocked silence that pervaded. It was a gasping, raspy breath. The laboured breathing of someone slowly choking. The members of the séance barely dared to move, but Georgie suddenly slumped forward onto the table, her hand grasping for a pen Her arm jerked and waved, as though being controlled by invisible strings, and the pen reached the paper. It scratched as she scrawled messages over the blank sheet. The spirit was young, it was male, and it was unhappy with strangers being in the house. The mist evaporated, the hoarse breathing stopped, and Georgie resumed her position, sitting upright and blinking, She explained that during the incident, the mist formed into the shape of a boy, a pale-skinned, red-haired boy of around 14 years old. His name was Harold Blake. And he had hanged himself there, in that room, in the Renville House Hotel. Gogarty reported that after this incident, the activity in the house increased, with people reporting their bedsheets being ripped off, and even some people being physically pulled out of their beds themselves. Whatever about the excitement for Yates and Georgie? The haunting was not good business for Gogarty, who was attempting to turn Renville House into a thriving hotel. He decided to enlist the help of Evan Morgan to exercise whatever unhappy spirits were stuck there. Evan went from room to room praying, and when he entered the room where the séance was conducted... He continued on the same vein. Again the room filled with mist and Evan dropped to the ground. He was dragged out of the room by his companions and when he eventually calmed down, he told him that in the mist was the apparition of a young, pale, ginger-haired boy clutching his neck, struggling to breathe with his eyes bulging.
0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: I would highly recommend, if anybody has the time or the inclination, to look up stuff about WB Yeats. He's a very interesting man. And, like I said, he was obsessed with the paranormal. He just... Loved it. He lived for it. He wrote poems about fairies and ghosts in the other worlds. It just seeped over into his real life. And he and his wife spent a huge amount of time just conducting seances and doing automatic writing. There are some people, myself included, who believe that Georgie Hyde Lees was potentially not an automatic write- writer, but was just obsessed with wb 8 and wanted to get his attention uh he very famously was interested in a couple of other women and asked for their hand in marriage a couple of times and they and was rejected but yeah he's a really fascinating man and i didn't know anything about the renville house hotel story so thank you to Connor foley for that one which leads me to why this episode was originally meant to be in two parts So in my searching for ghost stories about children in Ireland, I came across a story in a podcast called The Irish Spirits Podcast, which I'll link to in the description. And I was going to use the story for this episode, but then when I looked into it, it, it's enormous and it's at least one episode on its own. So that will be an episode that we come back to in November when I'm back because I... Uh, There's a book about this particular case, this particular story that I wanted to get my hands on. So that's why it is not in two parts. However, there was something else that I found on my searching for Freaky Children Stories. And that was a series of tweets and uh, Reddit posts about people's real life experiences with their freaky children. And I'm going to leave you with some of those today. Uh, Thank you to everybody who has continued to listen to the podcast despite the fact that it has been so different and thank you for being patient and bearing with me as I try and find my feet and figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing having the normality of doing the podcast has been incredible in terms of giving me a sense of routine and a sense of purpose so thank you all for listening and for understanding and for just generally being lovely people um i know that i know that i say that i appreciate you guys all the time but it's you know it's not just the patreon subscribers that i appreciate i i just am very i'm very thankful for this community and uh just for your patience and understanding in throughout this time and i will be back in november And I'm very excited. I've got loads of ideas for stories and for episodes. So I will be back in November and I will be speaking to you all then. At Blue Moon Bud. When my little brother was small, he said to my mum. This is where I died, wasn't it, mummy? She was bathing him at the time. 18 months before he was born, she had had a miscarriage in the bath. At Trikadelic. My mum and sister were in a taxi with my nephew when he was about three. He pointed at a bunch of Claire's accessories and said, When I was a big boy and I was a fireman, I used to go into that pet shop. The elderly taxi driver almost crashed and said that it had been a pet shop when he was a child. At Morgan VAB My three-year-old used to describe how, when I big, the machine, it cut off my head. He'd use the trash can lid to demonstrate on his baby doll. One day, after weeks of this, I asked him to draw this machine. And I kid you not, he drew a guillotine. He even knew how the mechanism worked. Redditor Kiboko the Hippo My son was about four and a half and his sister was 18 months. I said I was really sorry because I wouldn't be able to read them a story that night as I had a meeting to go to, but I would read two the following night to make up for it. My son said, That's okay, Mama. Auntie Tracy will read to us. I felt the hairs go up on the back of my neck. I thought he must have got it wrong, so I said, Who? He answered, Auntie Tracy, Mama. She looks just like you. After we go to bed, she reads and sings to us. I'd never told them that I was an identical twin, and my sister was stillborn. And her name was Tracy. Redditor Quagmire DP While I was changing my daughter in front of the open closet door, she kept looking around me and laughing. I asked her what was so funny, and she said the man to which I replied what man she then pointed at the closet and said the man with the snake neck I turned around and nothing was there I'm afraid to look into the history of my house to see if anyone has killed themselves in the closet at least she wasn't scared Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your own spooky story, you can do so by sending it to real life at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, real life stories podcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week.
2: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.